Mauliola Wednesdays proudly presents Leo Kupa e Ho'olono Mai, the definitive podcast on perpetuating Hawaiian healing and wellness, brought to you this month by Hui Mauliola and hosted by Kamaka Jingao. Hello, my Kako. Welcome to the first podcast from us at Hui Mauliola. The mission of Hui Mauliola is empowering of people through healing by perpetuating Hawaiian health and wellness. Once a month, we host Mauliola Wednesdays, where we bring in guest speakers and renowned practitioners to share their manawa and ike kupuna. Mauliola Wednesdays are free to the public and held every fourth Wednesdays at Papahana Kuaola, located in the Ahupua of Heia and the Ili of Waipau. Papahana Kuaola is a malama'aina-based learning organization that is connecting the area's past with a sustainable future. Go check them out, Papahana Kuaola. For more information on Mauliola Wednesdays, uh, please go to our website, huimauliola.org. This year's Mauliola Wednesdays series is centered around the restoration of mana and maintaining pono. With our busy schedules out there these days, how can we continue to be of service and still be restored of mana and maintain pono in our lives? Our past two guests were Earl Kava'a and his conversation on mana, and the Reverend Dr. Malcolm Na'ea Chan and the importance of pule. This month, we welcome sharing on Ho'omai Mai and cleansing, Kopono Suza. Aloha, aloha mai kako. To our listeners, mahalo kamaka. Born Kapua'i Ho'olei Ia'i Kapono Aluli Suza and raised in Hawaii on the island of Oahu Kapono comes from a long well-known line of gifted practitioners in music, arts, and healing. At a very early age, his tutuahine on his maternal side Ermgard Kiali'i Vahine Aloha Noho Kahao Puamana Farden recognized his talent for massage and shared with him our traditional arts of healing called Lomi Lomi. <laughs> for many Hawaiian families, traditional knowledge and cultural practices were passed down through family lines. To ensure continuality, it was not uncommon to have an eligible family member be given the kuleana to perpetuate the practice of these ancestrals their ancestors to benefit the next generation. Today, Kapono continues to represent the current genealogical lines of his ohana and shares some of our traditional ike to a new generation of students. With over 20 years of experience as a practitioner and professional therapist, he is among some of the most innovative martial body workers today in Hawaii. Wednesday, May 25th, Moliola Wednesdays is honored to welcome Kapono at Papahana Kuaola. And today, we are fortunate to welcome here in the Hale in Kailua for a broadcast preview of what's to come. Aloha, Brother Kupono. 
Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Mahalo to all those out there listening. Um, really grateful to be a part of the first official Maliola Wednesdays podcast. Our inaugural podcast. So mahalo. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Right on, Kapono. Thank you for joining us here today. Okay. I know you have a lot of experience, um, over 20 years of experience. But take us back, um, you know, to the beginning, you know, growing up, um, growing up on Oahu, you know. What was it like growing up um, back in those days? Okay. Um, that's a lot to share. But um, I think what I'll do is, is just throw a couple of memories out there about um, those things that kind of influenced me uh, at a young age and uh, kind of shaped me for who I am today. I, you know, um, I think one of my early memories that really stood out, um, I had a distinct memory, uh, maybe about four or five years old. I used to have this invisible friend. I think maybe a lot of us at some point had this friend that we would always talk to. And for me, that friend was very, very much real. And we used to have long conversations. And um, he was my, my favorite best companion. I learned a lot. I remember being in my dad's van one day and him telling me, like, you know, I'll always be there when you need me. All you have to do is call me. And that kind of kind of made it real for me because um, I realized, like, I was the only one who saw this person. I would tell my mother. And she would always support. I mean, you'd be scared to kind of say, hey, you know, I'm, I have a friend. He's not here, but we're hanging out. And... Uh, you know, my mother supporting that and empowering me to continue to have that type of relationship kind of opened the door for me to um, become a little more intimate with that, which we don't necessarily see every day. But yet it's there and present if you just take a minute to pause and ask. Um, and that kind of, you know, set the framework for me. Um I had other guardians. I grew up in Kailua and Waimanalo. Um, there was a period um, in, in my 9, 10, 11, 12 year old stage when I was uh, still developing, of course. But I remember walking down, at, we lived at the end of Waimanalo just before Makai Pier where Korea Ranch is. And underneath the road between Korea Ranch and across the street, we lived in a house. My parents were um, the caretakers of the estate there, um, but it was on the beach, right? And underneath the road, there's a storm drain. I used to go across that all the time and go chase the peacocks. And I'd, I'd come across and I'd go down the beach and I'd go find the caves and I'd go sit in the caves and I'd sit. And I'd, I guess that was my first um, meditation. You know, I would sit in the cave and I would sit and smell and inhale the ocean and, you know, the smells, the sounds, how the waves would amplify the sound in the cave and knowing it was only me there. Um, those are the types of experiences that kind of shaped me. 
um, in, going back to uh, one of those experiences with my guardians was um, I'd walk I was walking up the stairs and up to the house and I slipped and I, I remember being pulled past the past the point where I would fall and hit the rocks below and I remember this force pushed me back onto the stairs. It was the heaviest thing. Two distinct memories of an in my early earlier childhood, my, my development as a young boy, as a younger, like an OPO, right? And then moving into my, you know, my teenage years, which I think for all of us was interesting. Um, those two experiences and others are almost like, uh, for me, anchor stones, you know, that help ground me to understand like there's more there than what we perceive. And building that relationship as part of the practice is is critical for us to um, find balance in our lives because we are both of those things, right? We're both of those. And that's what being a practitioner is about, at least to me, is the practice. I can be a professional therapist. I can be a professional musician. I can be a professional priest. I can be a professional athlete. I can be a pro we can be professional, but we also have to be practitioners. And we have to bridge those two parts of us to, to really truly balance ourselves in a way that cultivates health. And that is what nourishes and feeds us. Yeah. So my, my experience in Waimanalo kind of set those anchor stones for me. Um, in my teenage years, of course, I, uh, I got into a program, a summer program. It was my seventh, in my seventh grade, uh, in my, in the seventh grade, I got into a, a program at Kamehameha called, uh, Kulia Ikapono, which is, uh, Kulia Ikanu'u, is striving for the highest. It was a leadership program. It was like a summer on Kamehameha campus, uh, being in the dorm, being amongst people who you're unfamiliar with from all different islands, yeah? And we were all tasked with teaching something. And uh, I got interested in art and painting. In fact, that right there was one of the paintings that I brought with me and showed them, and that's what got me into the program. See the wave? That was one of a, a bunch of paintings. So I got into art. And so they accepted me on the condition that I teach the rest of the uh, summer participants how to paint. Some, one, one kid taught um, how to throw net. One kid taught how to, um, I taught how to paint. One kid taught how to, uh, what was it? Baseball, softball, um, so we, we did a bunch of activities. I spent a month there. And outside of my invisible friends and my kiai, that was the first time where I really started to bond 
with actual um, people of my generation, I guess you could say. You know, and and each of us had a really strong experience by being together, being on the campus, being at Kamehameha. And on, on my merit, I was, at that point, I was accepted into eighth grade. And I got into Kamehameha in eighth grade. And I had gone to St. Anthony's, which is a, which is a small private school here in, in Kailua, um, raised Catholic. Um, I used, my grandmother, Ermgard, was a very, very devout Catholic. My family is very strong in the religious part. But I certainly did not how do I say it, 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 I didn't gravitate towards that type of thing. I, uh, I, I, I don't know. It didn't work for me, but I used to think going to church, I was allergic going to church because I would break out in hives and asthma. When I was a kid, I had really bad asthma, really bad. I, I couldn't breathe. I always got sick. I got infections and, you know, there was this, it was almost like a handicap, you know. Um, but I would go to church and I really, I disliked church. And I, I used to break out in hives. And, but I realized late, later on, it was all of the old ladies with their, their perfume and their big um, beehive hairdos and everything. It was, it was, it was too much for me. So anyway, Yeah. Some interesting times. I got into Kamehameha, and now I was on this this campus, which was so huge, very unfamiliar, very intimidated. Did not know anybody, um, and that's how I spent my you know eighth grade through high school. In high school, of course, I, I had good friends, uh, mostly surfers and, and fishing, and you know we used to do the things that we used, you know most high schoolers did. Um, and that was basically my full development up until I graduated. At that point, I got involved in paddling canoe. Um, that was my first introduction into... At Kamehameha, we didn't do too much like Hawaiian cultural things. But after I graduated from... I mean, I was paddling in high school. But after I graduated, that's when I became a little bit more serious. And that, for me, was kind of the 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 door into Hawaiian culture outside of music, which my family was well known and famous for. Because I learned early on, I'm I'm not a very good musician. I, I really didn't have the passion or desire for it, um, and I didn't know why. It just that wasn't part of who I was at that time. But I did get into canoe paddling, and I got into exercise and training. And I realized like. In order for, for me to keep my asthma in check, I needed I needed strong lungs. It was it was wind is what I needed because I didn't have wind growing up, and so that's what I always chased, wind. And from that point, canoe, then sailing canoe, and eventually um, hooking up with my cousin and and um, some friends and being involved in uh, voyaging. Um, uh, so that was my door into culture. But all along that way, from my early childhood to today, the, the, the thread that connected all of these things was what we call Lomi now. Pursuing Ho'ola, basically. It was the pursuit of 
being healthy, being vibrant, being robust, being strong, having good mana, good energy, projecting energy, you know, in a very positive way as opposed to a negative way. Um, so adapting my lifestyle to include that. Yeah. Who was the inspiration along the way for that? A lot of, a, a lot of people, a lot, and more importantly, a lot of um, experiences, you know, there's kind of these well-rounded string of events that when put together, that is the influence, right? It's a, it's a summary of, of this bubble of experience that uh, kind of helps mold, yeah. So when did you start studying uh, Lomi Lomi in particular? Um, very organically. Um, again, you know, I, I was always very, very sick. I was always very, uh, sick and had a, my lungs were always a problem. So I felt very weak. Yeah. And what can I say? The, the most beautiful, profound warmest touch that I've ever felt in my entire life was the touch of my grandmother. Just in that communicated everything. You know, when you have someone who really truly loves you and holds you and you've, you've experienced that warmth, nothing needs to be said. It's already communicated in its entirety. What we, you know, today we, we think of it as that exchange of that mingling of ha, yeah, that breath of, but it's really, it's, it's a mingling of warmth, yeah? Um, and, you know, those times when you feel the weakest, when you have someone touch you in that way, is really what gives you the, the most strength. And that is how I learned, and, and it was always taught that way. Not much needed to be said. It only needed to be felt. Of course, I ask questions, this and that, and, you know, what have you. And, you know, the Hawaiian way is very indirect. Yeah. That's how you learn. I'm still learning. Uh, so my grandmother, yeah, she's, she, she uh, was my mentor, even if it wasn't formally done that way. Not so much in music, because the, the world, the public knows her for her music. You know, she composed well over 200 songs but the way they were composed that is what I felt when she touched me it was, it was about things would just come to her the music would come to her and the words that was the gift the same thing is 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 how for me Lomi is it, it it's uh, it's an open um, spring well spring Punawai you know the water is sweet and it just comes and when you pause and you ask and things come, and, and I learned that from my grandma. She was very prayerful. She was very soft. She was very even, you know, in her, in her personal space. Outside in public was different, and she knew how to balance the two. Um, those, are the, those are the things that I learned. And I think a lot of us learn in very different ways. And then we apply it to the gifts that were given to us, should we seek them out? And 
and share it with the world. It could be music, it could be art, it, it could be anything, whatever you want. In my case, it was Lomi. It is, continues to be. Yeah. And from your experience, what, do you, what is the difference between Lomi and massage? Both are important. And you know, you, you, go, you, talk, you go back about um, this idea of cleansing, of being clear. Um, you know, Lomi is one aspect of our healing system. It's an art and a science. So one would say Lomi is the art, whereas massage might be the science. And this idea of balancing and being clear is, again, balancing the two. Like, I, I recognize and acknowledge, like, it's important to understand the physical things that go into um, touching a body, manipulating a body. Because you, you are physically contacting somebody else. But on the other side of it, as a, as a practitioner, you also um, rec are recognizing and honoring the, the space around you, inside of you, above you, below you, yeah? Your ancestors, your kupuna, your almaku, you know, it, it's the space in which you occupy, right? And, and by honoring, again, the environment and... and Developing the intimacy, um, that's where you kind of pass over that threshold from being something very me mechanical and impersonal to something profound and sacred. Like you're separating the ordinary from the sacred. And when we, um, when our intention is clear, that's what is the dividing line. So it's important to practice both. Yeah. You know, a lot of us say, you know, today it's get educated, get a degree, right? Get, get all of your mechanics together, your, your tangibles. And then when you, when you graduate from that, you know, go apply it to your art, your craft, and make it beautiful, right? That's the two pieces. Yeah. And I know in your Lomi practice, um, Ho'oma'ema'e is important. You know, I know um, you cleanse the body before. Um, yeah. So in creating that space, you know, for someone to feel comfortable, to feel safe, to feel that, to be able to get to that place of ho'ola, you mm. know, if someone's coming to you, my, mm. you know, um, mm. what does that space look like or feel like? Okay. I know the warmth of, you know, like your grandma, mm -hmm. you know, that warmth mm -hmm. that she um, shared with you. Does that resonate in your practice or how do you set up that? That's the, that is the first um, like I, I mean, like those are the anchor stones. So, those are like your, you know, your, um, your niho, right? Your cornerstones on your ahu. 
those are your cornerstones, these the, the, the strongest stones that can support the stones above, right? And all the stones are these memories that when put together create the place upon which you off your offering. So those that's the imagery and the intention and that that I put into place before you engage with another right because really what you're doing is you're engaging not just with the body but the aqua in the body and so if you treat it like the ahu that it is then you're offering your lomi right you're offering your whole kupu that is that is being given to to feed and nourish that aqua right the prayer is asking for the whole ola and if the food is ono enough, it will be received by the aqua. And so, because the two are pilina together, then one affects the other, the other, right? It's, it's a harmonic, intimate relationship. So, when we apply some of those, um, and that's all done through your ritual. Um, that's done through your your rituals. When you ritualize something in your way, you are amplifying the space. You are generating mana. And that's what the person, whether they know it or not, their akua inside them is looking for. Right? And so creating the safe space, creating a therapeutic environment is critical. Um, we... If, if we you if we put on our cultural lens, that's the puuhonua. You are creating the place of, of where this person who is in conflict can find refuge. Right? And when we apply those those principles which we we have ingested, right, through our experiences, when we apply those things and ritualize them, they become real. And that real for you. And that's what the, is communicated to the per, to your, you know, the person who needs it. And that's when that's when it, the, there's a, the tipping point, right? It's not just a massage room. It's not just a park. It's not just being under a tree. And it's not that anymore. This is the puhonua, and the space is being held in place by my ancestors, your ancestors. The door is open. Right? Look, the door is open. We ask and uh, come to come and assist. And kia'i and na-na, watch over us, kuro mai, lean over and be amongst us and noho. And if your offering is accepted, then the outcome is ho'ola. But to do that, we have to put into practice ho'omai mai, right? As a personal discipline. Um, at the end of the day, it, it becomes that discipline, that daily discipline that we engage in, um, that feeds our own akua. And it's this, this, this little pu'olo, this safe space within you that you can always rely on because you're constantly feeding it. It's easy for us to forget because we, we live in a space that's you know, constantly reminding us that there's boundaries. We're not allowed to go through the wall. We're not allowed to fly. 
We're not allowed to um, breathe underwater, right? But when I close my eyes and I imagine with my mind, there are no boundaries. My mind is just as real as my body, right? We, we spend a third of our, our, our mind dreams. Uhane, moi uhane, right? That's just as real. So while we are limited, there are no limitations. And we got to figure out how to reconcile that. For me, Lomi, as a practitioner and a therapist, is part of that as well. And the aspect of Ho'oma Ema'e and cleansing, what kind of um, things can we Practices. do? Or rituals can we do in our own lives mm -hmm. to continue to um, restore our mana or mm -hmm. continue to be in Pono? You know, because a lot of times we're all busy, sure. you know. And yeah. you know, you have Ohana. Oh my gosh. Commitments with Incredible. the community. You know? I, I learned early, it's called time management. <laughs> it's the one thing we can't escape is time. We are on a timeline. Okay? So we manage time. And, and how we manage that is the discipline. And uh, in taking that type of approach, if these are valuable enough to you, you insert it on your timeline, which is, you know, we have maybe 90 to 100 years, but yet, you know, I have this moment here with you doing this podcast. This is valuable enough to me, and I, and I leverage my time, right, because I know that this feeds me as much as it feeds others. There's value there. Um... Again, I, uh, I wanted to get into the healing arts because that is where I wanted to spend most of my time in that space because that is valuable not just for me but to others. So I manage my time according to the space I want to be in because that space heals. It heals me. It balances me. It's, it's how I uh, keep myself clear. It's how I feed all of these things that make us who we are. It allows me to engage in uh, ritualized practice, right? Uh, it, it creates a puhonoa, a place of refuge. Uh, it gives me clarity, you know? um, and when I come out of that space, I can apply what I've learned there into the other aspects of my life. So um, I prefer that. Some people feel that when they play music, they would prefer to be in that space. Why? Because it resonates. It feels good. It makes others feel good. Right? That's, that, that is medicine. That's la'au. Right? Um, it's those things that that I prefer to be in. So time management for sure. Yeah. Um, on a technical end, though, uh, there is a daily protocol. I guess you could say it. There is a uh, uh, this uh, a way that I follow it, and it usually revolves around water. It's the idea that you know my belief system is that. 
water. You know, part of my belief system is that water is what gives life, right? We, we, we do know, like, nothing can exist without water. And being that we are mostly water, the, the act, the ritual of cleansing oneself, which is very common in many, many different spiritual slash religious practices, it's almost a universal practice. And it's no different with me or the Hawaiian people of Kanakoma, how... how one of the uh, pieces or aspects of, of of cleansing oneself, you know, it's a, it's 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 a way of uh, purifying you. So um, I do that every day, several times a day. I'll always cleanse my my po'o, my shoulders, my throat, so my my voice is clear and true. I, I cleanse my pohivi and my hips because those are my, my corner posts. I cleanse my opu. I especially cleanse my feet, you know, especially if we're, we're touching people. Um, uh, and I always ask to wash away anything that is uh, hamia or contaminated. Yeah. And then I, and then I wash the space if need be. I'll clean the person if need be. Um, you know, there's many different approaches, but it's usually always surrounded around water. Yeah. Um, what would you, what would be the characteristics and practices of people who are considered to be like excellent practitioners in our culture? Like what, what characteristics? Ooh. Well, for me, if a person carries themselves in a way that um, is kind, if a person is kind, you know, is inclusive, um, that's that's an important benchmark for me. Um, clearly, you know, one's actions speak a lot. And I, I know that we're all human. We make mistakes, and those are important. And being willing to forgive people is an important practice to kala. I think that's very, very important. So as a person in the community, um, those who display excellence of character, who display excellent leadership skills, um, I think those are the ones who master the art of forgiveness and empowerment to, to build people instead of bring them down. And that's rare. And, you know, historically, I know that our people were very, very, very elew, very adept and quick in recognizing those in their community because it, it, we relied on strong leaders capable of of you know maintaining pono holding that anchor down uh, so that it could support the rest of us our lahui our lahui depended on it, and today our lahui depends on it so there are those in the community that i definitely respect and admire that possess a lot of those at the end of the day, when you expand beyond that, it's just me as an individual, but us collectively, who do we believe in? 
who can we collectively look at? And it doesn't have to be individuals, it can be a collection of, of people that we can truly um, support, right? Uh, those are few and far in between. So we'll see what happens. Do you have any favorite um, olelonoel, you know, things that kind of... There's a few. I was thinking about that earlier today, and, and I'm very simple. I, I love how people think. They're very simple to explain complex ideas. But um, I like oke kahua mamua, mahope ke kukulu, right? So building a foundation first, and then build the hale. Um, that's a great image for life as a human being here you know we're, we're we're privileged we're lucky that we got a chance to even be here and you know i, I my grandmother she says you know always leave the garden better than you found it and what she really meant like by that is well, no matter where you are make it better right and that can only happen when you're very stout grounded you know square and plumb with your aina, your akua, you as a human being, the people you surround yourself with. When all of those things are in play and, and they're well built, your hale, your house, can bear anything. Yeah? Um, yeah, okay, you might make, miss a few lashes here and there, but that's the process. It's to learn, okay, that, you know, I can relash. I can make it stronger. There's room for that. Yeah. Okay. And then getting back to that story real quick about um, Auntie Napua Stevens, oh, you know, um, since, you know, we both got named by Auntie Napua, you know, and I was just a young yeah. lad when she kind of um, passed away. So, you know, I always like to hear stories of, um, Auntie Napua and the different people that she named because she was a very stout person in our community, you know, who... Um, Excuse me. So Auntie Napua, lot, you know, you know I, I was very young. And, you know, I was very young. She was one of those people whom I knew as a very young child was very, very manaful. You know, it wasn't said, it wasn't spoken, but again, the presence was there. And it was very soft, it was very gentle. Uh, my grandmother, I mean, not my grandmother, my mother, Auntie Napua named all of, all of, all of my siblings and myself. Um, and, you know, my mom went to her and asked her to please, and she, you know, she was one who was gifted with, with, uh, the the ability to um, communicate uh, with Almakua and in dreams and find Inoa names and uh, she named each of us uh, but I I distinctly remember one night you know I I spoke about it earlier you know I was always really really sick and my grab my mother took me to see her one night, I must have been about 
I don't know, six, five or six years old. And it was at night, I remember. Uh, I remember walking, my mother taking me into her house and it was dark maybe there was there was a small light on it was it was low and on the tv there was um it looked like something on egypt i think it was national geographic and i remember seeing her face in that light you know the light of the tv and the light of the lamp and it being dark and there are books everywhere and manuscripts and you know an old wooden chair and everything was very quiet you know and i remember seeing her and she just had this amazing look a, a very wise calm look and her hair being pulled back in a silver gray bun very tightly and neatly and her shape being very strong and square you know and my mother took me there because uh, I according to her I you know so I my opu wasn't working uh, and I laid on this bed it was a little twin bed and it was uh, like a pune it was a an old koa bed like a twin bed and I laid on it and she had this material I think it was like maybe a parel or something and she had a stone and she put the stone on my belly and then she wrapped my opu and I was and I laid there for, I don't know how long it was maybe I don't know half an hour could have been an hour um, I don't know if she prayed over me it certainly felt like I don't remember but I it certainly felt like just that experience uh, was very very profound after that I do know like I never did have a sore stomach I never had you know any problems I still had asthma and lung issues and stuff and um, but I do remember her as and I and I associate her in a in a very strong way as as someone who really had my best intentions at heart and she possessed mana at the time of course i didn't know what that was but i certainly felt it and you know between her and my grandmother those are those are the two and i and i and i associate very closely with female uh energy in that way because of that um i had a my my father's my on my father's side my portuguese side my grandmother on my tutu on that side um she was another one when she passed away we and even every once in a while she'll pop in and we'll have conversations and that's another thing when, when you know people holler and stuff you know that there's there's this morning period and stuff but it doesn't mean you can't stop having a relationship right it's like it's almost like okay so now we can forget no that's not the point the point is to remember right and to honor that's how their mana gets um, thrust forward into the future, right? So we should continue to have conversations. So my my tutu on my father's side, her and I, we we she used to be the one I used to call to, and she would occasionally she still comes to me. I should reach out more actually, um, and we we'd have she'd laugh, and I I'd see her face smiling and. 
you know, all of these wonderful feelings, you know, that you associate with. Uh, so I identify really strongly with the female line of both sides of my family. Yeah. So Auntie Napua, she's one of those that are very special to me near and dear. And, and I'm, I'm very blessed and grateful that, um, you know, the Inoa was given to me and my siblings. You know, Kapono is, is not an easy name to live up to. And I, again, I'm human. We, we, we make mistakes. You know, we, we have limitations. And um, finding balance, finding that Pono is is um, recognizing when you're out of Pono, right? And that takes discipline. And that's the practice. That's the part of being a practitioner. Yeah. Okay, well, okay. So, uh, mahalo for having me on, on the inaugural po podcast. This was really a great experience for me. Um, before we go, though, I want to give a shout out um, to our listeners that um, you know, we, we do have a, um, uh, like a Ili, Ili Kupono, a little kipuka of land that we are stewarding and we have an organization, it's called Kekahua Okwali. So, um, what we're looking for is volunteers to come out and, and, and support our efforts to, to build a, um, a space, uh, where we can, you know, perpetuate, uh, Hawaiian cultural Practices not just um, in Lomi, but also in many other in uh, many other aspects. So I just want to share you real quick. Um, anyway, so Kekahua um, Kuali, you can find us at kekahua.org. Um, that's our website. Um, we're basically a grassroots five one c three organization. We're located in Kailua on Oahu. Um, along the, the beautiful, beautiful waters of Kwainui. Kekahua uh, Kuali's efforts are focused on establishing a Hawaiian place of culture, a healthy landscape for uh, perpetuating Hawaiian cultural practices. Uh, we are working with the state parks uh, to clean up and revitalize a portion of Kwainui for public use. Uh, so we really want to see Kwainui being used by the community as a place to learn about Hawaii and the culture of Hawaii and to do that, uh, we could really use your help. We need a lot of volunteers. Uh, be grateful. Um, you can check us out every third Sunday. We have a community work day. Uh, and if you go to our website, kekohua.org, you can find out more information, sign up. So just a quick shout out for that. Thank you. Mahalo once again to our guest tonight, Kapono Suza, for joining us on Leo Kupa. Come join him at Papahana Kua Ola on May 25th for Maoliola Wednesdays. Mahalo to all our listeners and please subscribe to our mailing list at huimaoliola.org where you can get up to the moment information, um, Hui Maoliola events, uh, practitioners in your area, and of course, uh, Maoliola merch uh, like the Kalokamahina, our Hawaiian moon calendar. Also, find us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, mahalo anui. Kia kua mauna loa la i lalo kekai, nao makua ia ka hina kua, ka hina alo i ka ikina komohana na kupuna, mahalo piha. E hou mai ka ike, ka ikai, ka kamana ke ola. Mani a ukou, mani mākou, a māma ua noa, e ho o māna noe. Right on, brother. Mahalo nui, brother. Thank you, brother.
That was fun, man. <laughs> <laughs>